torchlit celebration of the Christmas story. Here, on a windy December night in Trafalgar Square in central London, crowds have gathered for carols led by the choir of St Martin in the Fields as they prepare for the annual Blessing of the Crib, the nativity scene depicting the birth of Jesus in a stable. And no nativity would be complete without, of course, the donkey. My name's Chris Pounds and this is Clover, the donkey, and she lives in a stable at Hackney City Farm. It's a city farm based in East London that I manage. So uh, Clover, we've just taken her out the trailer and she's getting ready to take part in the nativity. She'll be behind uh, Mary and Joseph in the procession. I know why the donkey's here today, because of Christmas. It's what um, carried Jesus and Mary. Because they were having a baby, the, the donkey carried them all the way to Bethlehem. I'm Jane Little, and in this Christmas edition of Things Unseen, I'll be exploring what role the donkey actually plays in the Christmas story. It may surprise you, and I'll be meeting some of its modern-day relatives. The humble donkey features on almost every Christmas card showing the scene of Christ's birth. And go into the National Gallery just steps away from here and you'll find famous Renaissance paintings of the Nativity with the donkey in the stable on that holy night in Bethlehem. And then there's the flight into Egypt where the faithful donkey carries Mary and the Christ child to safety, often with Joseph leading it by the rain. Here at St Martin in the Fields Church, having a live donkey for the blessing of the crib has a long tradition, as the Reverend Richard Carter, one of the priests, explains. The tradition of having a live donkey goes right back to, I think, 1928, and apparently in 1937, Princess Elizabeth, soon to be Queen Elizabeth, came to watch this nativity here at St Martin's and apparently she really enjoyed it but she commented afterwards it was a shame there was no donkey. So when I started doing the nativity I thought to myself we can't just pretend having a donkey we've got to have a real donkey. So how much do the gospel stories in the Bible actually tell us about the donkey's role at the time of Christ's birth? Elaine Storkey is a theologian and writer of books on Christianity. The nativity accounts in the Bible tell us nothing about the role of the donkey. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, which is the fullest account, we just have this idea that Mary and Joseph go to this place where Jesus is born. We don't know how they get there. There's no mention of an animal, no mention of a donkey. And then, of course, when the baby is born, there's no mention of a donkey either, worshipping the infant child in the manger. And even when they move from there to Egypt, there's no mention of a donkey. So we have lots of incidents, but no donkey. <laughs> but even so, Elaine says, it's not unlikely that there was a donkey there. 
I don't think the donkey is a complete figment in biblical terms because they had to get there. Mary and Joseph needed some form of transport and the kinds of transport that were available in those days were camel or horse or donkey or cart drawn by an animal. And if you look at the fact that Mary and Joseph were really quite poor, they were not wealthy, we know that from the sacrifices they gave in the temple, it was more than likely that they did travel by donkey. But, she says, it was probably St Francis of Assisi, that most famous of animal lovers, who first introduced a live donkey into the celebrations of Christmas when he recreated the nativity scene in 13th century Italy. There was a cave and he had live animals surrounding this cave, including a donkey. And it became such a feature that it began to actually move through Christendom. And ever since then, we've celebrated the nativity and there's been a donkey there. So it catches on because there's something about the nature of the donkey that is quite winsome and attractive and, and engaging with people. The donkey makes an appearance in many Christmas carols, including modern ones like John Rutter's Donkey Carol. In more traditional carols, the donkey often features as the ass, which is always paired with the ox. It's been suggested that the ox represents the ritually clean animal to the unclean donkey. And let's face it, the donkey has had a bad rap a stubborn, stupid beast of burden. Fair? That's not what I encountered when I went up close. I'm walking along a slightly muddy hillside on the south coast of England in Sidmouth in Devon and I am at the Donkey Sanctuary, which is the largest equine welfare facility in the world. It alone here at this site houses over 200 donkeys. I can see a few on the hillside over there by a fence and uh, elsewhere it's looking after thousands of them. And I'm joined now by Maxine Carter, the farm manager here, who's going to show me around. Okay, so this is Laurel and Hardy and as you can see from the pictures we've got here on our notice board, they came in lice-ridden. They've oh, got bits no, of coats but... hanging off yeah. where the skin and the, and the fur is just falling away. They've got what we call Persian slipper feet. So with a donkey's foot, it doesn't naturally break off. So as it grows and they don't have the farrier, it turns upwards. So you can imagine a pair of Persian shoes. That's what happens to the feet. And as you can see, they just curl up and just keep growing and keep growing and some come in very, very curly indeed. So Laurel and Hardy came in and they came into our holding base in Derbyshire and of course they had to be treated and we had to trim their feet very carefully because they've been walking on what we call their heels with turned up feet for so long that trimming them back to stand on actual toe again is quite a shock for them. So it's like us suddenly having your plaster off your leg so the dear boys, as you can see, have now got fantastic shiny coats. They absolutely adore visitors. And, uh, yeah, we're just so fortunate to have them with us. They're standing in that lovely little grass paddock, enjoying the sunshine. So one's a grey donkey, and you can see that prominent uh, cross on Laurel's back. It's a bit of a 
hearsay tradition that goes back centuries and they do say that the donkeys that were touched by Jesus uh, had a cross on their back. But that's not to say they're all not just wonderful and they're all very special. <laughs> this is D'Artagnan, he's one of our Poitous. As you can see, he is a lot bigger than the other donkeys. Uh, very hairy, he stands at 14 two hands high. And uh, yeah, he's a gentle giant. And as you can hear, he's busily munching uh, his straw. Very shaggy. Where are these donkeys coming from? You've got over 200 here. Where, where are they coming from? Some have come from Ireland, so they've been brought over. But a lot of them come from the UK. It could be rescue cases. It could be people that can no longer cope. They have medical conditions or the donkeys have medical conditions. And they come in here for the extra special care that we can offer and we can give. And you have hundreds of staff looking after them. I mean, it's an extremely well-set-up place here, right? It's quite a, a lavish lifestyle the donkeys get once they arrive here. They do, and I think any human would like their lifestyle too, especially in these dark, cold, crispy winter nights when uh, they're all bedded up in nice deep straw beds, nice shavings bed with a lovely heat lamp hanging over them to keep them nice and warm. And that sounds lovely, but as you say, some of them are rescue donkeys. What sort of state are they in when you, when you come across them? Unfortunately, some of them that do come in, they can be traumatised, mental trauma that they've had from the abuse that they've had. Some of the cruelty cases we've had in, the, some of these donkeys don't like humans, and it takes a lot for us to turn them round. They don't want to be caught, so people go, oh, you know, they've got a bit of an attitude. Well, actually, no, they haven't. They've learned that the lost human that worked with them might have beat them with a piece of wood, might have shooed them with a pitchfork. So we have to literally rehabilitate them. But once they are rehabilitated, many of these donkeys give a lot back to humans. So this is a large light shed. There are pictures of the tops of donkeys along the walls and uh, an arena in the middle with sand and fibre floor. And there's two chocolate-coloured donkeys over there. I'm about to be introduced to donkey-assisted learning. I'm not quite sure what that is yet, but I'm about to be introduced to them by Louise here. Yes, so, um, I'm Louise, I'm the centre manager, and we are joined by Coil and Wonky, the two donkeys. Coil and Wonky. Yes, <laughs> Coil and Wonky. Which is Coil and which is Wonky? So, Wonky is the one with the bent ear, so we don't know how he did it, we think he was born like it, but she calls him no harm or anything like that, and it kind of adds to his unique character. <laughs> And Coil was a donkey came over from Ireland. He was a stray, and he's got a really lovely nature. And they're both small, dark chocolate colour. How old are they? Wonky is seven, and Coil eight. <laughs> so what happens in here? We're in an arena. There's a big, wide arena space that they can wander around in. What happens in here? OK, so when we do our sessions, the donkeys are at liberty, which means that they're not on head collars. They're free to come and go as they please, so they can choose to interact as and where they feel necessary. OK, so what we're going to do today is just a quick exercise called Approach and Connect. So you want to choose one of the donkeys and approach them. You can connect with them however you like. So that might be just by standing in their presence, it might be by actually touching them, that's completely your choice. And just spend as long as you want to with the donkey. Well, Coil seems to be walking towards me, so I guess I'll 
I'll go to Coil. Hello, Coil. A beautiful white nose. Forgotten how much smaller than horses you are. Hi, Coil. Do you want to sniff my fingers? Yeah? Oh, you're going to lick me, are you? No, I didn't taste good. Coil's just turned his back to me. I'm now getting a view of Coil's tail. And here is Wonky, darker, shorter, and one of Wonky's ears. He's got it folded over on itself. Dark brown eyes, a big, dark nose. Where are you going, Wonky? Come back. Had enough of you for now, Jane. They're off together in the corner now, but I've been told that I can approach and connect, so I might walk over again. Hi, Wonky. What if I crouch down here like this? Will you come closer now? There you go. That's right, have a good sniff of my hands. It's nuzzling into my arm now. Hello, and in comes Coil, and I've got both of you head to head with me here. Wow, this is the most intimate I've ever been with any donkeys. Oh, you're actually going to eat. You've just taken a bite of paper there and a little chunk of my knuckles. No, you really don't want to eat my... <laughs> there go my questions. That's what you think of my interviews. I guess I don't need my notes. I'm just to go with the flow from now on. Okay, how was that? Great. <laughs> it was, yeah. And especially the moment when both Coil and Wonky came up and we were all kind of head to head there in a little sort of a three-way, joining our foreheads together. That's lovely. <laughs> it was beautiful connecting with a, another species like that. It was lovely to have that moment in which barriers were crossed. Okay, so barriers are crossed for you, for the donkey. Both. Both. Do you feel that you it. gave Wonky and the coil the time to go into their space and cross that barrier with them? Possibly we did it in a little more compressed manner than we otherwise might have done. Okay, so if we were to um, do it again, how would you, would you change it? Maybe giving them a little bit longer to, to come up. And um, one of the interesting things say, is that the donkey <laughs> is very interested in my producer, Christina, here, who's carrying the equipment. Uh, and, interested um, in who? Oh, now back <laughs> me and my and my piece of paper again. So as we were just talking about barriers and boundaries, yeah, the donkeys come into our space very very closely. I mean, we couldn't get Coil any closer within our boundaries at the moment. No, Coil is right up against, almost touching my tummy here, standing between us. Yeah. So how we could you know recognise the donkey's boundaries and how we can then reflect that by to us as well. What are our boundaries? I'll be respectful of other people's boundaries and working with the donkeys helps that and just to have having that conversation now about you connecting and barriers look what's happened with the donkey mm. of his own free will he's come to join in the conversation at that particular point do you think the donkey enjoys it too i mean is there something in it for the donkey what do you think yes but i want you to tell me what <laughs> what's happened now so here comes wonky hi so, wonky so, wonky. so are you enjoying it too wonky is that what you're trying to tell me Yep, you're now right up against my tummy again. So you're saying that we don't need Louise to tell me, that you're telling me. <laughs> I do enjoy it, Jane. 
The donkeys are definitely the teachers. And I've read somewhere that a donkey's at the part of the brain that governs emotions mm -hmm. and behaviour is very similar in a donkey to that of a human. Is that right? Yes. But yeah, I mean, they pick up on emotions. We had a client recently, really, really anxious. She was really worried about giving something back to us um, and she wanted it to be something financial which she couldn't afford. I said, all you need is just to say thank you and give her a hug. At that point, the donkey walked up to her and put his neck around her neck as if to give her a hug. Now, you can't preempt that at all. That was purely natural. Wow. I mean, talk about picking up on <laughs> emotions. And she took that away then and realised that she didn't need to, it doesn't need to be about money or about anything like that. That's all he needed. And Coyle has walked right up to us doing that and walked right brushing his body against yeah. mine. Yeah. It's so unfair, isn't it, that donkeys, the ass, has traditionally been seen as the stupider animal, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. that's what people assume, that donkeys yeah. are not bright. But I'm experiencing the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I think you can say completely opposite. And they are amazingly intelligent animals. The kind of encounter I've just had is offered, among others, to school children, people with autism, those with mental health problems and families bereaved by suicide. And sometimes you see a real transformation, says Norma, who often works with school groups here. One little child that springs to mind, he's been coming since September, but his support worker, teaching assistant, hadn't been with him before until the last visit. When he's in the school environment, he does not speak. He's very shy, very quiet, but here she'd never heard him speak so much. He talks the whole time, he's much more relaxed. He really enjoys going in with the donkeys, which has brought out his language so much. So, And at the meal times, he comes up, asks for his food, he chooses, says please and thank you, and she just could not believe it when she saw this happening. This charity doesn't lend its donkeys out for nativity plays. It doesn't think it's good for the animal. But each December, the Donkey Sanctuary holds a candlelit carol service here, where, of course, Little Donkey by Eric Boswell is sung. they stream their service online to enthusiastic supporters who together give more than £30 million a year to the sanctuary. That may strike some as overly generous when there's so much human need in the world right now, but the staff point out that it's not just about giving donkeys in the UK and Ireland a good home. They work to protect donkeys around the world in places where they're directly related to human welfare. Campaigns manager Simon Pope says there's now a huge threat to donkeys in the developing world. Well, right now, the biggest crisis facing donkeys ever, we think, has come about as a consequence of uh, huge demand from China for donkey skins globally. Donkey uh, skins. Donkey skins. So the skins are uh, used in a traditional Chinese remedy called Erjiao. It's been used for a very, very long time in China, but it's enjoyed a real resurgence of interest in the last sort of 10 years or so. And what that's meant has been that uh, traders for the industry have been engaged in almost like a sort of gold rush, if you like, around the world. They've been scouring the planet quite literally for donkeys because they have to provide 
something like 3 million donkey skins every year for the industry in China in order to just keep up with current demand. Now, what that means is that they focus very heavily in on Africa because Africa is still home to the majority of world's working donkeys. But the offtake has been unsustainable, it's been unregulated, it's been incredibly cruel. But because it's now been going on for four or five years, the impact is really becoming critical. Donkeys which were previously found in plentifully in places like Nigeria or Kenya are now becoming scarce. Which will drive the price up and they're out of range for the people who need them. Completely right. I mean, in fact, what's happened in Kenya recently is uh, the price of donkeys has gone up by 300%. It was donkey inflation. Now, some African countries have taken a stand on this. Uh, I've recently come back from Nigeria, where a quite brilliant MP has just taken forward a, a bill in the Nigerian parliament to actually stop the slaughter of donkeys in Nigeria as a whole. And we've calculated that something like one million donkeys are being killed for the trade in Nigeria every year. So this will have a massive impact in terms of animal welfare issues, but also it would stop donkeys being drawn in from neighbouring countries, which is also happening. Still, donkeys remain in danger of being slaughtered for their skins in many parts of Africa, and there are donkey welfare issues elsewhere too. A lot of people are thinking probably of Bible stories, which which may or may not exist, we're going into in this programme. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the flight into Egypt or the donkey, the ass and the ox mm-hmm. in the stable. And uh, I'm wondering, do you work with donkeys in the Holy Land? Yes, we do. For a number of years now, we've worked with an organisation called the Palestinian Wildlife Society, principally in the area around Jericho and also Bethlehem, uh, appropriately enough. There's something like 20,000 donkeys in that area, and they are absolutely fundamental to the people who live and work there, particularly the farmers. I mean, there are places in that region which are terribly difficult to get to, incredibly inaccessible, and uh, donkeys really are the only means of actually being able to reach those areas, so they are a true lifeline for those farmers. So donkeys have long been a vital part of many people's lives in the Holy Land, And while the donkey doesn't actually appear in any of the gospel nativity stories, it does, of course, play a significant role elsewhere in the Bible, as theologian Elaine Storkey explains. The donkey actually is really prominent in Scripture, both in the Old and New Testament, and it certainly plays a part in Jesus' life. He rides on this young foal, really. It's a very young donkey into Jerusalem. And he's fulfilling a prophecy that you get in the Old Testament that the saviour, the anointed one, will come bringing salvation. The king will come bringing salvation and riding on a donkey. And it, it symbolises the humility of Jesus, really. The Messiah is not what they were expecting, not a king on a big war horse, but actually a man on a donkey. And, of course, then all the hallelujahs come out in the palms and people throwing things in the path of the donkey as a donkey steps over it, which is where we get our Palm Sunday from. Plenty of donkeys feature in the Old Testament too. Their owners are commanded to give their beasts of burden a day of rest on the Sabbath. The dignity of the donkey, the closeness of the donkey to human life and human livelihoods is there right through the Old Testament. But one particular story, of course, stands out, and that's the story of Balaam. 
And Balaam, who wasn't a great intelligent follower of God, is particularly cruel to his donkey. And he's on this ass and he's making a journey. And then the journey stops. Suddenly the donkey won't go any further. And Balaam beats the wretched animal, um, lays into him, and then the animal begins to talk. Why are you treating me so badly, says the donkey. And the answer is because I'm your master and you're supposed to do what I say. But the reason the donkey stopped is because he has got more spiritual wisdom than Balaam himself. He can see an angel there with a sword blocking their path and he will not go through that path. And it was only when Balaam's eyes are then open and he himself sees the the angel that he realises that the donkey is closer to God than he is. Back at Trafalgar Square, the donkey has completed her task and is heading home. No doubt she'll be back next year because, as the Reverend Richard Carter, the priest from St Martin in the Fields, says, it doesn't matter that the donkey is not in the biblical story of Christ's birth. We've got a great love for this donkey and it's always a great crowd pleaser, but also symbolises something very, very important, that Christ our King is also the humble servant king who chooses a donkey, the sign of humility, the sign of peacefulness and gentleness in order to meet his people. And the little donkey has taken it all in her stride, says her handler. So um, now we've got back to the trailer. Clover's fine. She enjoys all the attention that she gets from everybody. And uh, we were stood there for maybe about an hour. She gets a bit restless in the end because she's looking for something to eat normally and um, wants to get moving. But no, she fares very well. She's done quite a few of these nativities now and quite a lot of Palm Sundays. And she's used to seeing lots and lots of people on the city farm where she lives. So she makes an ideal donkey to take out on these events. But uh, she tells us when she gets fed up, she wants to go home. She uh, has a, a very particular way of showing us is she'll start pulling me out of the crowd and back towards the trailer so today she was fine she really enjoyed it i'm jane little my producer was christina pommet and you've been listening to things unseen the podcast for people who think there's more to life than the material world From me and all the production team, and no doubt the donkeys, wishing you all a happy Christmas and a peaceful New Year.